Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. This is episode 30, how to pick and win your battles of ideas. And what this episode will do for you is help you learn how to discover the best opportunities for strategic thought leadership to help you achieve whatever goals you have, to help you gain deeper insight into the structure of building a thought leadership model, to learn to sort these opportunities for leadership, to find the ones that give you the most leverage for positive change and success, and to learn from others' experiences in building and positively influencing an audience from this perspective of picking your battles. Now, before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. So it's condensed learning. So keep in mind that with some of these topics, I spent years honing my approach with model building, testing, learning, and incorporating principles from breakthrough examples, as well as various other ways of innovating and optimizing. My intention is to bring this learning down to a condensed form for your optimum empowerment. So I strongly recommend repeated listening, as well as keeping in mind that multiple level learning can happen at least to some extent outside of conscious awareness. Having an impact on beliefs is actually a higher level of influence with accompanying higher positive impact than the typical conscious mind learning, like remembering a list of the right things to do. And through my training in things like design human engineering and neuro-linguistic programming, systems thinking, game theory, I'm using techniques like multiple level learning, embedded metaphorical loops, accelerated learning, both to give you an accelerated training process on this never-ending continuum of being better at strategic positive influence and also to act as a model to follow and how I convey the skills to assist you consciously and unconsciously in putting these to work in your own communication. So I'm your host, Chris McNeil. I'm a strategic thought leadership coach and marketing consultant. I also have a digital marketing agency, full-service digital agency as well, called Fifth Level Web. Now, bring to the table credentials in entrepreneurship, influence, coaching, and innovation, including multiple national and regional awards. And as a marketing consultant and digital agency owner, I orchestrated 
marketing programs that created breakthrough results for various businesses, in some cases doubling market share, in other cases rendering the competition essentially invisible, in others creating triple-digit annual sales growth. And I have extensive training and experience, so I'm a master practitioner in neurolinguistics and design human engineering. And I've trained with multiple leading experts in those fields, including one of the founders of the fields. And I draw from this in what some have called innovative ways to use excellence modeling, accelerated learning, and the structure of the language of influence and the structure of the language of excellence in sales and marketing. Thought Leadership Studio. So this episode of Thought Leadership Studio is all about positive influence and getting better at it by knowing where to apply the skills and strategies of strategic thought leadership. So it might be a fair question to ask why go to all this trouble to start with. And whether you are in marketing, sales, PR, or social change, or if you're in a leadership position of any sort, you're dealing with influence. And the more effectively you influence, the more successful you are. Strategic thought leadership is about powerful, organized influence. try all the dishes over time in the strategic thought leadership metaphorical restaurant or you can taste a few appetizers and get ideas for your own recipes of building your own leadership lots of ways to approach it and I try to make it so that it's accessible enough to quickly get ideas you can implement anywhere in leadership sales marketing or influence uh, but also create a very comprehensive program so that you can succeed at high-level strategic influence and build an audience around your ideas. So in business, if you aren't leading an audience to new thinking that highlights the advantages of what you're selling, you can be relegated to commodity status and then you compete only on price. And the internet has changed consumer behavior. It's created an attention economy. Strategic thought leadership gathers and potentiates this attention by feeding the online research and depending on what study you look at, between 81 and 89% of people research before a major purchase online. Uh, so it feeds this online research people are already doing of your prospects or your market segment. So if you're in business or marketing, it's a about empowering potential buyers to make the best decision to help them extract more value to help them gain insight that even elevates or reframes the whole purpose of a product or service 
And this is communication that adds significant value to the recipient and since attracting attention in this attention economy is about the exchange of value, it helps grow a captivated audience. Just as true, if you're in a persuasion or leadership capacity of another type of role, maybe for social change or for a nonprofit, and you want to change people's minds to embrace your philosophy of any sort. So I consider thought leadership mandatory in nearly all cases of marketing and leadership. And if you stay stuck in the selling patterns or persuasion patterns of your market segment or your audience, you stand the risk of being left behind when someone else does thought leadership. Or you and your organization can take that role and lead an audience somewhere new where you stand alone with no competition. Strategic thought leadership is about changing minds. It's about creating a bridge from old thinking to new thinking. New thinking that you design and leading an audience across that bridge. Now there are many varieties of such journeys and if you adopt the metaphorical role of an adventure guide in your thought leadership, you might consider both the ease of crossing such a bridge and the appeal of the terrain on the other side. So here's a good point to kind of go through a checklist of the big picture view of some of the relevant steps in strategic thought leadership. And the general flow includes, one, having a clear vision of your target, both what you want thought leadership to do for you and for your audience. Two, discover specific opportunities for thought leadership. Where is their thinking is right for change? Number three, put these opportunities into the structure of what you call a thought leadership model. And within that model, a thought leadership path. And that gives you power. Once you have a path from old thinking to new thinking, defined in terms of mental models, which could just be an if-then statement, connects two things. If you do this, you get that. And your new one might be, well, if you do this, you'll get something else instead. And I'm gonna get into some specific examples. Hang with me here as I go through this general flow. Because once you have these opportunities of positive influence, specific, structured, positive influence, you want to kind of put them out in front of you and assess them for two things. One, friction, and two, impact. How hard is it going to be to overcome whatever entrenched attitudes that you're leading people away from? And then how much power 
in service of your goals, whether that's goals for sales, goals for market share in business, or perhaps goals for making positive influence for social change, where you get some traction and you get some lawmakers on your side, for instance. You know, how much impact does it offer if you succeed at getting a critical mass of people to adopt your point of view? So you got the friction and the impact. Those are the two variables to consider. So then you leverage your efforts with this information in mind by picking the right thought leadership paths to focus on. Pick your battles. Where can you get the most impact for the least friction? Or if you are really going for a large-scale paradigm change, and I'll give you a couple examples of those a little later in the podcast, know what you're getting into. Know that you are going to run into some resistance, but it's worth it because of the power of the change. At least the impact is so strong, so powerful, it's going to make such a positive impact that it's worth fighting the guardians of the threshold that want to hang on to the old way of thinking. And once you've got these and you just run them through this iterative process, this thought process of strategic thought leadership, and maybe the best short guide for that is the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership. Gives you an overview of the process so you can start to construct your own building blocks of thought leadership. And there is a link to get this free guide on the episode page if you're listening on an app. Then click on the link to the episode page and you'll find the link near the bottom for the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership. And it applies even if you're not in marketing. If you're in another role in leadership or if you're involved in some kind of social change, it still applies. And to make sure that I'm being clear, the link to get the free Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership is on the episode description if you're listening in an app and if you're already listening on thoughtleadershipstudio.com it is on the episode page just scroll down to the bottom of the page and look for the colorful graphic of the marketer's guide and the link to get your free copy so while sometimes it's better to pick the low-hanging fruit there are situations where one can feel called to initiate global paradigm shifts. Just know what you're getting into if that is your mission. And unless we feel called this way to some higher mission of tackling a large-scale, fundamental, deep-rooted paradigm, like people like Graham Hancock and Rupert Sheldrake are tackling, and we'll talk about a little more later in the podcast, it's better to look for leverage. How can we get the most positive impact with the least friction? So the sweet spot is low friction with high impact. In marketing a business, we want the maximum positive belief change that of course favors what we're selling with the lowest friction. So I'm looking now at the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com where we've got a graphic of four quadrants of impact versus friction. How much positive change can we expect by leading an audience to a new belief, a thought leadership position, versus how hard is it going to be to get them there? So. We've got the left column 
left vertical column of low impact and we don't care about these um, we always want to aim for high impact the question is for the right column of high impact how much friction will there be to get them there so on the top right we've got high friction and high impact which is where we can expect to battle with who we might metaphorically call the guardians of the paradigm threshold either competitors who have a conflicting position or perhaps you know um, academics who are deeply rooted and have committed their career to a paradigm that we are challenging you know there's going to be friction the friction can come from competitors it can come from also from the customers or audience if you're asking them to change beliefs that are important to them but sometimes we can get an audience to adopt a new mental model a new perspective a different way of looking at things that is purely beneficial for pretty much everybody concerned except perhaps the competitors who will be left behind by finding a sweet spot and that's the bottom right quadrant which is low friction and high impact so maybe the best way to contrast high impact thought leadership positions that are low friction versus high friction is to consider a few examples and we'll do that after a brief message from our sponsor scorpion helpers Thought Leadership Studio. And now for a message from our sponsor, Scorpion Helpers. Scorpions can only race up to a certain age before they are sidelined and put out to pasture, sometimes with debilitating injuries from their years of racing. Even the more famous ones are forgotten about and sometimes left to rot away in cages with a scrap of lobster artichoke salad thrown to them here and there. We want to find homes for these former racing scorpions. We want to let them live out their final years in a beautiful setting. You can give a retired racing scorpion a good retirement of living their golden years out in a ranch setting, free to roam, play, and frolic with the other retired racing scorpions for only $50 a month per quarter pound of scorpions. Sponsor a racing scorpion. Give them a good retirement. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today and get a free bib with the Scorpion Helpers logo, along with a signed picture of the former champion racing scorpion, Ralph of the Atlantean Wildebeests. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today.
save a scorpion from being relegated to a traveling circus where they're forced to play tricks and jump through hoops in front of a crowd in between being carried from city to city, all alone, and only one train car per scorpion per room. Make a donation today at scorpionhelpers.com. So first, let's consider some high-impact but high-friction thought leadership positions. Uh, before we get into these, don't underestimate the resources of the guardians of the threshold of paradigm change. Some consider it systemic. It's the dynamics of entrenched ways of thinking on their way out. And sometimes they can only fall into change fully once a former generation is gone. According to Max Planck, the originator of the quantum theory in physics, science makes progress funeral by funeral. The old are, in his words, never converted by the new doctrines. These simply are replaced by a new generation. However, you can also build a strong audience even in the face of such opposition. Pioneers take the arrows, but hey, what's a few arrows on the way to creating real change, right? Let's consider two examples of people who have thought leadership positions that have faced intense opposition. In, in this, I'm not so much arguing for or against their point of view. These people are Graham Hancock and Rupert Sheldrake. Now, we're getting near the 10th anniversary of their famous band, TED Talks that I'm going to link to on the episode page, which of course you can find by clicking on the episode description if you're not already there. But before we get into the details of their positions, just realize that both Hancock, a author and proponent of theory of a lost civilization, and Rupert Sheldrake, a biologist and also an author who has done a tremendous amount of research on 
parapsychology, uh, demonstrating effects of things like telephone telepathy, when you know who's calling you before you answer the phone, even before or without looking at caller ID, or how some dogs know when their owner's coming home without having any physical evidence of that. Yeah, but both of them have suffered innumerable barbs along the way, as you can see on the battlegrounds of their Wikipedia pages, which have been taken over by opposing academics. Anyone basing their initial impressions of either Graham or Rupert are going to be turned off by what they read on Wikipedia. And I've noticed the same phenomenon on the page for neurolinguistic programming, which I find highly credible because I've been working with it for decades and, and trained in it. And I've seen the positive impact on creating new behaviors, on behavior change, on motivation. And, and changing the mindset in a positive way. baseline position, as NLP has done with the field of psychology, with a new paradigm or thought leadership position, the guardian editors of the Wikipedia thresholds will come out in droves. Maybe this supports late counterculture author Robert Anton Wilson's contention that a major problem in human thinking is what he calls premature conclusions. He promoted agnosticism for everything, not just religion. And the premise was partly based on the assumption that keeping your mind open to new information is more intelligent than closing it like a Tupperware container with a belief system, which he abbreviated BS. Hence the title of the video about him and his philosophy, Maybe Logic. A smarter person, in Wilson's view, better maintains the state of maybe. But we're dealing with a lot of possibly premature conclusions. Now, as we consider Rupert Sheldrake's and Graham Hancock's thought leadership positions, keep in mind that while I support them both, I'm not really arguing for or against their positions so much as 
trying to illustrate a principle that if you tackle entrenched paradigms, you're going to be in for a battle. It might be a battle worth fighting, but you may not need to fight such a battle and consider what you're getting yourself in for. So let's discuss Graham Hancock. His thought leadership position has to do with a prior civilization lost in an apocalypse. Now his band TED Talk was about the role of psychedelics in human evolution, but recently he's catching a lot of flack for theories espoused in his Netflix series Ancient Apocalypse. Now starting with the book Fingerprints of the Gods in the mid-90s, Graham has promoted evidence of a catastrophe at the end of the last ice age that destroyed most of the evidence of a prior advanced civilization. And in spite of heated opposition to his hypotheses, Hancock has persevered, due in part to widespread exposure through things like Joe Rogan's podcast. He's built a large audience. So Hancock has sold a lot of books. He's garnered a large following in spite of heated opposition. He's got a series on Netflix. The series is doing extremely well. I recommend it, by the way. And I've got a link to it and a lot of other um, of Hancock's media in the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. Linked in the episode description, of course. Um, so Hancock sold a lot of books. He's, he's built a following in spite of heated opposition, and his high-impact message continues to gain followers. But there's a high-friction component in the form of this establishment think that adheres to the old story of gradualism, of human civilization gradually getting more advanced, as opposed to as catastrophism, of there being a catastrophe that reset it. So to summarize, Hancock's thought leadership position is if you look back far enough, you will find a prior advanced civilization. The baseline position that contrasts with that is the evolution of civilization has been gradual. So as you look back, you find declining human capabilities the farther you look. The impact, of course, is high. We're talking about you know, changing our whole idea of human history and where we've come from. And what an interesting thought experiment to consider how different the prior civilization might have been and what they knew that we don't in some ways, perhaps. But the friction's been high, and the threshold guardians that have given him the pushback have been archaeologists and historians who hold more of a gradualism point of view, which seems to be most of them. So let's consider another thought leader with a high-impact, high-friction thought leadership position, Rupert Sheldrake. His thought leadership position is about a non-material aspect to consciousness. Sheldrake's band TEDx talk was called The Science Delusion, which of course I've linked to in the episode page, um, linked to in the episode description. Uh, He's a British scientist and author who's proposed several unconventional ideas. Uh, He's a biologist, so in the fields of biology, but also psychology and parapsychology. And as with Hancock, Many of these ideas have been met with criticism and skepticism by academics. 
Now, one of Sheldrake's most controversial ideas is the concept of morphic resonance, which suggests that memory and form are inherent in nature and that there is a collective, non-material memory shared by all members of a species. Now, this idea has been widely rejected by mainstream scientists. And say, there is no scientific evidence to support it. In spite of multiple books by Sheldrake sharing statistical findings on phenomena like the sense of being stared at, telephone telepathy, where you sense who's calling before you answer, and dogs who know when their owners are coming home. So here's a quote by Sheldrake. Unfortunately, the worldview aspect of science has come to inhibit and constrict the free inquiry that is the very lifeblood of scientific endeavor. Now, I've watched YouTube videos of Sheldrake debating materialistic scientists. And, and one guy refuted his findings and Sheldrake asked him, did you look at my study? And the guy had not. He was so sure of his point of view, he didn't even bother to look at the evidence. It tells you something about human nature, but it's something to take into account when practicing thought leadership. So to summarize with Rupert Sheldrake, his thought leadership position put in the structure of if-then that we want to do when we're constructing a thought leadership position, a thought leadership path, a thought leadership argument, is if we only look at materialistic explanations for life and nature, we miss a huge piece of the puzzle, is there is a non-material aspect that better explains phenomena. The baseline position, that's the counterpart, is if you have a purely materialistic point of view, you can explain everything. Oh, and we will eventually get around to explaining consciousness that way. The impact of Sheldrake's thought leadership position is, of course, very high. It's like the, the nature of reality. But the friction is also extremely high because of the overwhelmingly prevalent materialistic dominant paradigm held by most scientists. So the threshold guardians are materialist worldview scientists and atheists. So to back up and look at the big picture, you might feel called like Sheldrake or Hancock, whether you agree with them or not. And put that aside for a second. But like them, you might feel called to take on a dominant paradigm and to correct deeply held false beliefs. Uh, and like them find out that you know, clear evidence alone is not always enough to change minds when there are stakeholders in the old ways of thinking that stand to lose when things are questioned. So, but if you're similarly compelled by such a mission, maybe taking a few barbs along the way is a fair enough price to pay.
But there is another way. Picking high impact but low friction thought leadership positions. And I found it helpful to avoid biting off more than you can chew by picking your battles and discovering opportunities for changing the right people's minds the right way to the right new thinking in a way that benefits them and benefits you or the company or the philosophy that you represent. So let's consider an example of a high impact but low friction thought leadership position, that of a company called Digital Echo. And their thought leadership position is that practicing diversity and inclusion means your website should be accessible by people with disabilities. Now, full disclosure, Digital Echo is a client I've worked with and helped develop the thought leadership position that I'm referencing here. Now, I share it as an example of a high impact, low friction thought leadership position that will helpfully help you develop your own. And they provide what's called website accessibility services. Website accessibility is important because it allows people with disabilities to have equal access to the information and features available on a website. This includes people who are blind or have low vision or deaf, hard of hearing, have mobility impairments, cognitive disabilities, etc. And for people with disabilities, accessing the web can be a challenge due to the use of visual, auditory, and motor-based content controls. By making a website accessible, you can ensure that all users, regardless of their abilities, are able to access and use its content and features. So, Digital Echo was calling on businesses like hospitals, and they're typically getting referred to their IT departments since Accessibility was considered a technical challenge and thus a technical matter for the technicians. We found a new connection to make. Every company now has to consider diversity and inclusion. But two key points of diversity and inclusion aren't so obvious. Number one, inclusion also means including those with disabilities or impairments, and two, it's not just your physical structures, it's your digital properties as well. So this thought leadership position that web accessibility is a necessary part of a company's diversity and inclusion transformed Digital Echo's sales process, according to founder John Mulvey. He found he started getting a very receptive audience from HR departments rather than being pigeonholed into the IT category and it started high level values-based conversations. And best of all, it's low friction. Who could argue with this point of view? So without stakeholders hanging on to an old paradigm, it was a relatively easy change to make. So in summary, Thought Leaders Digital Echo, the thought leadership position is web accessibility is a necessary part of diversity and inclusion. The baseline position is that web accessibility is just a technical matter. The impact is high. The friction is low. Threshold guardians really aren't any. Little or no resistance. So in general, in business, 
We want to find potential thought leadership positions in that bottom right quadrant of high impact, yet low friction. So how do we categorize potential thought leadership positions, potential new ways of thinking, new connections to make, expanded points of view, better ways to utilize a product or service, better ways of looking at what what features or capabilities are really important. Here's some questions for assessing the potential friction. Who's got a stake in the old way of thinking that you're countering in baseline model? What do they stand to lose if that model is undermined? So if you're gonna be going into a high friction thought leadership path, know what you're getting into, maybe it's worth it. But in a lot of cases, you can find something that is relatively low friction. Now assessing the impact. How much is there to gain with the adoption of the thought leadership model? Which means, you know, know what you want. If you're just after increased sales, increased market share, market leadership, it's a different type of change in most cases than changing global paradigms. In some cases, it's similar. In some cases, you'll have some opposition, but a lot of support too, like think of Elon Musk and electric cars being actually appealing. So think about the impact. How much is there for you to gain in terms of what your goals are and your audience's goals? What does it do for you? What does it do for your audience? How can you find opportunities to change the minds of an audience or market segment to lead them to new models of thinking that highlights what you promote? So part of picking the right thought leadership opportunity is recognizing the appropriate level of challenge it's like how the best goal setting recognizes how far to stretch. The targets has to be achievable. It represents a significant step forward. It makes you feel that sense of accomplishment. It's like tuning a guitar. If the string is too loose, there's no sound. If it's too tight, there's no sound. It's only when the string is tuned to the right midpoint between too loose and over tightness that music can happen. So while it'd be nice to change the world, and that's great if that's your mission, maybe it's better to aim for significant short or medium term impact that's achievable. So categorize these according to the challenge of the change. It's one thing to change someone's opinion, it's another to change a deeply held paradigm that's held by many people. You can look at the examples of the TED Talks of Sheldrake and Hancock and how they got banned because whether you mind to their points of view or not, they're banned because their talks were outside of the dominant paradigm. Contrast that with someone selling a product, educating a prospect about the criteria that should be important to them that may expand their thinking or challenge their thinking a little bit. These aren't deeply held belief systems, they're more like opinions. So you can categorize mental models through this continuum because what opinions, beliefs, convictions, and paradigms have in common is that they're all mental models. It's a matter of the degree of conviction. So we follow a common structure 
to put things together a certain way. Stating old thinking and new thinking is if-then statements as a first step toward challenging old thinking and building support around new thinking. Consider how much resistance you're likely to run into when propagating your thought leadership model. And the resistance can come from your intended audience, it can come from opposing players in the game you're involved with, or both. But the prize of what you can potentially gain by building an audience around your model or leading an existing audience to this model, is it worth the opposition that you'll likely face? Now, this entrenchment deeper into beliefs in professions that makes certain paradigms difficult to change. That's why Russell Ackoff, one of the greats in systems thinking, pointed out that breakthroughs in the field usually come from people outside of that field because as knowledge grows deeper in a profession or field or market segment, it means it's growing deeper into establishment think. But it's building a structure that can be changed. And here's a quote from Danella Meadows, a great systems thinker and author. Your paradigm is so intrinsic to your mental process that you're hardly aware of its existence until you try to communicate with someone with a different paradigm. So I will leave you with that thought. I'm Chris McNeil, your host of Thought Leadership Studio. This has been episode 30, how to pick and win your battles of ideas. And of course, this is just honing in on one particular aspect of organized influence through strategic thought leadership. I encourage you to dig deeper in, to dive deep into thoughtleadershipstudio.com, to go to the episode page if you're not there already. It's linked in this episode description. Get the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership that will help you start to build your own thought leadership models more effectively and get more organized around powerful influence. Get more out of every transaction you have with the marketplace or your audience. And if you want some help with your own thought leadership, I would love to talk to you about what you're working on. There's a link to get a free 30-minute discovery session. So click on the link, grab a time on my calendar. Let's find out what you're working on in Brainstorm. Look forward to it. In any case, thanks again for listening to Thought Leadership Studio, and see you next week. Thought Leadership Studio. Thank you.